Welcome to another episode of Waltrip Unfiltered. From the FS1 Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, here's your host, Michael Waltrip. Welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered 2020 edition. I'm so thankful that you guys tuned in last year to check us out, and that's why we're back again this year. We had some great guests. We talked to winners of big races. We talked to some great personalities, and we're going to do all that again in 2020 cover the races, take you inside the sport, places that you probably couldn't get anywhere else. And I'm really thankful to Fox Sports, our YouTube channel, all of the digital platforms that exist around Fox Sports. I'm really happy that we're going to be able to share content with those. So get ready for the ride. It's going to go green right now. Be ready. Green flag, green flag. So 2020, Ford, I'm telling you, Last year, we just said, let's have a podcast. Let's see what people think, if they enjoy it. And uh, we've got a, lot of, we got a lot of support. A lot of people not only uh, came and was, were, were our guests, but a lot of the, 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 the NASCAR fans enjoyed the show. So we're back. Thank you, Ford Martin, for joining me. And looking forward to, to hanging out and talking with you this year. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, especially just from doing here in the studio and then moving to uh, places like Tennessee and, and, and Nashville, then going to Charleston and, and eventually ending the season at the banquet in Nashville. So it was a really successful season and first great season for Walter Unfiltered. So excited for season number two. Yeah, and uh, I think we have some momentum. So people are expecting more. So we're going to have to find, find, the, find the stories and dig into what people's got going on. We're going to partner with Reddit again in 2020 getting questions from our, our listeners uh, and viewers from Reddit. Also, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the Fox Sports uh, social channels, the, the YouTube channel there. So we're, we're opening our doors up here at Waltrip Unfiltered so that people can um, get their questions answered. And we had some great input, some great input and some great content that resulted uh, from the questions that we got from Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, all those different channels. So I look forward to answering questions again in 2020 and understanding where the viewers are, where people's minds are around NASCAR. A lot of, uh, I think a lot of change, I think it's fair to say there were a lot of changes during the offseason. There's going to be some different rules on the short tracks. Um, Martin Truex had probably one of the, rock star crew chiefs in NASCAR in Cole Pern and Cole went back to Canada. Martin doesn't have Cole anymore. There was a shakeup with the crew chiefs at Penske. Um, Bubba Wallace has a new, a new leader uh, on his pit box. So a lot to talk about and a lot to break down about this 2020 season. And I look forward to doing that. Um, but today I want to talk about the Daytona 500. We're going to have a couple of shows over the next uh, week about the great American race and what goes into winning it and, and where drivers, crews, teams are as they prep and get ready to head to Daytona. So um, I was blessed and fortunate enough to win the Daytona 500 twice. Uh, I've talked a lot about the 2001 Daytona 500, obviously, with, with, with the documentary that came out last fall, uh, my win, the big win, and then the unbelievable loss of Dale. So we're going to break that one down today. And then next week, we're going to talk about the 2003 Daytona 500, which uh, doesn't get talked about much because it was rain shortened. And I was, you know, I, I, I won the race. But I'll tell you this about a rain shortened race. And you know this. Your dad's a racer. You've been in the sport forever. 
when a race is range shortened, it's a great chance for someone to swipe it. We saw it last year at Daytona when um, uh, yeah, Justin Haley, Justin, a big win for him, yeah. Yeah, and we saw it the year before at Pocono with uh, Chris Buescher. You know, he, he was able to, to, to use strategy and win the race. It happens. But, but when a race is range shortened and you got the fastest car, sometimes you, you, you're so mad because you I, I should have won the race. And fortunately, in 2003, I had the fastest car. And despite the weather, I was able to get the win. So next week, we're going to talk about that. But today, it's all things 2001 Daytona 500. And I'd like you to kick it off. Is there a question on Reddit that, that, that would be something that pertains to 2001, the Daytona 500, and how I went about winning it? Well, I, I have one myself. Oh, and good. Especially in 2001. I know you've talked a lot about now, that. Now, let me ask your... you a question. How old were you in 2001? Boy, I think I was like six. I think I was. I, I was still a young lad. I was still now, learning. And your 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 bit. dad was on pit road, though, right? Uh, he wasn't on pit road that day. He was still in the Bush Series shop with Mike Dillon. Oh, I and see. The Rockwell Automation car. Yeah. So uh, he was back home. He wasn't there that day. But um, I guess a question for me. I mean, you've talked a lot about this race and the documentary that came out. What is one thing that you haven't touched on? that happened the 2001 Daytona 500, that whether it happened during the race, before the race, or even uh, or even after the race, <laughs> that you haven't really talked about much. I'll tell you something that's funny, and, and I, I wrote this in the book. Uh, I wrote a book in 2011 that made the New York Times bestseller list, which was pretty awesome for me. A kid from Kentucky who barely graduated high school, I wrote a New York Times bestseller. That was really cool. But this this happened. And, and it was a light moment, and it was funny. So they're, they're, we're on pit road, and they're, they say, you know, it's time for the national anthem. And these, these, these kids, O-Town, you ever remember O-Town? Google it. I, I have to Google that one, there's, yeah. There's a band <laughs> called O-Town, and they're like, now to sing the national anthem, O-Town. And, you know, I'm standing there with my wife beside me and the crew around, and, and I'm thinking, well, well who the hell's O-Town? I had no idea and said, and why are they like, why isn't Charlie Daniels here? Why isn't Alabama here singing the national anthem for the Daytona 500? I don't even understand this at all. And, and so I, I just remember that, like there's many moments uh, that I'll share over the next um, hour with you about that day and about the memories that maybe you haven't heard about, but that one kicked it off because I thought, well, I don't know O-Town, and I don't know why Steve Warner isn't here. Why, why, isn't, why aren't the Oak Ridge boys singing the, the national anthem? And who is this O-Town? <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up because yeah. I never even heard of O-Town. And, and that might be on – that's on me probably, but I didn't, I didn't look them up. No, you're, you were six. You wouldn't know. O- I, I, I wouldn't know. I, I was still learning you know about why they're You know why they're called O-Town? I can't know why. They were from Orlando. And you know why I think they were there? Because it was just right down the it road. It was right down the road. Yeah. Charlie Daniels' bus must must have not started. Yeah, it was a lo- long way from Nashville for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's some there's some great pictures. We talked about you know O Town and that moment when you're standing by the car. Uh, my my wife was beside me, Buffy, and we we were just you know just taking it in, understanding this opportunity that we had and and what. I don't think a lot of people know is we had had a, 
an amazing off-season of testing. Everywhere we went, we were fast. We were as fast as anyone. And the, the car drove like I'd never felt before. There was, there was so much optimism about the 2001 season and this opportunity. I was going to get to drive for my friend, for, for Dale Earnhardt. And Buffy and I, we, we talked a lot about, you know, how she, you know, she met me in 92. So I'd been through 10 years of, of not being able to, to win. And uh, I, I won races on Saturday, but I, I couldn't ever figure it out on Sunday. And, you know, it, it was just, it was so, it was so real to me. And, and I remember it vividly today, standing on, on, on the pit road by the car, my arm around her and thinking about this journey that we were getting ready to, to take off on. And, you know, I, I talked to, to Dale about the race and how we were going to, how we were going to race it. <laughs> and I'd never, I'd never had that before. This is my 15th season. I'd, I'd run 14 full seasons in cup. It was my 15th season. I never had a car owner explain to me how we were going to win the race. Like that never happened before. And on, on Friday afternoon in his bus, he, he grabbed me and he said, you know, forget everything. This is how it's going to work. And so I'm standing there on, on the grid listening to O-Town and getting ready to climb in and go, go do battle in the Daytona 500. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking there's, there's, there's 43 cars out here. And he says me and him and Dell Jr. are going to work together to win. And I'm trying to, 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 to process that and think, how do, how do three cars come together when there's 40 other ones out there trying to, to disrupt that plan? And then I just said, okay, don't, don't, just don't think too much. I felt like the pitcher on, on Bull Durham. Don't think meat, you know, just throw it. Do what, <laughs> do what, do what the catcher said. You know, I was just, <laughs> I was trying to just think, all right, th that's the plan. And then, you know, I've raced a long time and, and I won, I won some, some pretty cool races. I won the all-star race. I won bush races. Um, and it just kept coming back to me like, that just doesn't seem realistic. doesn't seem like that's possible. But um, then I would say, no, no, just focus. Go do your job. Put yourself in a position to be there. Be up front. And then, and then that's, that's, that's how it will work. So when the race started, it was crazy because my car, I was really fast in the qualifying race on Thursday, and I, I made a mistake, a dumb mistake. Uh, I missed I missed my shift from second to third. I didn't miss it. I just left it in second too long. I, I did everything perfectly, and and I I got when I got to to eight thousand RPM when I was supposed to shift, I just didn't shift in time. Hit the rev limiter, and and I lost all my momentum, all my momentum, and I lost a chance to win. I'd put myself in a position to win, and so that was on my mind, thinking you know you you dumbass, you you'll never win if you make elementary mistakes like that so i was like i gotta i gotta clean everything up and when the race started my car was was loose and i i was running there was no such thing as going to the back and riding in 2001 
No one did that. <laughs> you, yeah. you race. You, you race at the front, yeah. Every lap, you race. And I'm, I'm running 20th, which is the worst place to be racing in a loose car. And, you know, I'm just trying to, to get to the cost, get to the caution or get to the pit stop to try to, to try to get the car fixed so that I can. And the, and the beauty part of it for it is like, you know, people think when, when I lost all those races in a row, like they think, well, he must not be very good. Well, in my mind, I was really good. And so when that car wasn't handling right, you know, I knew exactly what I needed. I knew what I needed to tell my crew. I knew what they needed to do in order to make it handle better so I could do my job. And I think that that confidence of of believing in myself despite all the losing, that that was that was very important that day. You know, I could have just been like, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's, you know, I don't know what to do. But I was the opposite. I'm like, you, you got to lower the track bar. You, you got to take some air out of the right rear we got to fix this car so i can go and um we got it fixed and i raced i raced through the field and and got all the way to the front when the big crash happened with about 30 to go uh that's the first time i'd gotten to the front and just just at the right time i made it like dale barely scraped through and dale jr got through and and Tony Stewart flipped down the back straightaway and Steve Park, our other teammate, he was swept into it. And, you know, we stopped on the front straightaway and I look in my rear view mirror, I'm leading the race. I'm leading the Daytona 500, which was pretty cool with 30 to go. The race was red flagged. I look in my mirror and I see two cars, Dale and Dale Jr. We're running one, two, three, just like he told me we would be. And, you know, I always loved Dale and respected him as everyone did. And I thought, you know, he's a great racer. But that day I was like, well, this is bullshit. This is crazy. Ain't nobody this smart. (laughs) (laughs) This can't be happening. This can't be exactly what he said it would be, but it it was. And, you know, the red flag lasted probably 20 minutes, maybe a half hour while they cleaned up the mess and, and got Tony flipped back over and, and, then we 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 went to pit road for a for a pit stop and I, I real went, quick I want to stop you for a second during that red flag during that twenty minutes what was going through your mind during that time because it's lots of downtime of course you can talk to the crew back and forth a little bit but what what did you do I during that red flag I just was sitting there looking in my mirror seeing those two cars and thinking this is crazy I can't believe he he saw this he knew this and here we are we we have this like we don't have to beat forty cars anymore. I think about half of them were in that wreck. You know, we we got to beat half as many now. And I just, I was amazed. And um, I, I remember a lot about that day vividly. But other than sitting in that car, looking in the mirror, which I remember looking, looking and seeing them. And I was trying to see, because Dale had his open face helmet, you know, I was trying to see what he was doing. I remember that, but I don't, I don't really remember, I guess I was in the moment, you know, I was, I, I, I was checking boxes. I looked there and, and they were, those two were there. We were going to be together. We we're going to be able to fight together. That was a box I checked. I, you know, I, 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 I didn't, I don't, I don't remember much else. Like I don't have any, any recollection of, of moments during that time. Um, 
certainly prior to the race with O-Town and, and, and Buffy there and, and feeling the, the confidence that I'd never felt before. Um, that, that was special. And I remember, like, I, I can live in that moment right now. I can, I can sit here and tell you that I can go right back to that place. But other than when the cars came to a stop and I looked around and saw him and, and Junior there, like, I don't, I don't know what else I thought. I just knew that we were one pit stop away. And when they, they cranked the engines, we, we went to pit road and my pit stop wasn't, wasn't great. We, we went in first and we didn't come out first. We were fourth or fifth or sixth or something. And I, I just, I, I remember this and, and it's crazy again that, that I remember this so clearly, but on about the second or third lap of the restart, and, and, and remember, I'm just telling you, like, I don't remember the restart. I just remember this one moment. I was going through turns one and two, and I was on the outside of Dale, and I'm, I'm really good at, at plate racing. I'm very cognizant about moves and, and how you're able to, 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 to get, a, get momentum. And I'm beside Dale, and I don't have any momentum. And he's, I think he's leading, or he's, I think he's leading. I don't remember that, but I, I remember I'm beside him, and I don't have the momentum, and I went ahead of him, and I pulled over in front of him. And and I, when I, when I pulled in front of him and he got behind me, I'm like, he just, he just let me in. He let me in line. Like, he don't let anybody in line. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 doesn't make any sense but he he said you know we were side by side and he said whoever gets to the front first we're going to push we're going to push whoever that is me and you and Dell Jr we're going to push and i don't I, I don't know this in my mind like i don't know the answer to this question but when we were side by side did he look in his mirror and he said all right, I don't, I don't have enough to get in front of Michael. Or did he just say, I'm going to let Michael in front of me and I'm going to push him? Mm-hmm. I don't know what his – I just know he let me in line for sure. And you can watch it on – if you watch the replay of the race, you'll just see it. Yeah. And so I, I remember that clearly. And then once that happened, I, I just – I did my job. I drove just like he would would have expected of me. I I didn't just guide and leave it on the on the mat. If I saw a, a, a car length of an advantage happening for me, I was off the I was on the brake. I was just managing the gap. I was keeping Dale Jr. right on my bumper. I was doing everything perfectly and the adjustments that I made at the start of the race were were spot on like I could drive that car anyway I didn't have to worry about handling and I, I, I bet you if if you had a video of my eyeballs 90% of it was was looking in the mirror like I, I was doing my job of driving the car because the car was handling so well I was doing it subconsciously and just looking in the mirror and minding the gap keeping Dell Jr. right on me trying to make sure that when when we got to the center of the corner he he was on my bumper so that there wasn't any momentum and 
I, I remember very clearly also taking the white flag and you know drama wasn't a part of it for me then I had done perfect I'd done exactly what I was supposed to do for those those 20 30 laps to to the checkered and when I took the white flag I looked in my mirror and Dale Jr. was right on my bumper there was no run coming from there Dale was was side by side behind him there was no run coming from there and then I remember thinking when I went across to get, get the white, I said, I'm going to tell you, I said to myself, if I go down in that corner, turn one and two, and the tires don't blow out, and I go up that back straightaway, and the engine don't blow, I'm going to go through three and four and come off, and I, I got this this race, I've won, I'm going to win this race. All I got to do is what I've done for the last 20 laps, I'm in, I'm exactly where I need to be to win the race, and that's exactly what happened, and unfortunately, um, Dale was—he was in a in a fight. You know, he he was in a battle to 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 to, to keep to keep everybody off of us. And the thing that makes me, obviously, all of it, it makes me really sad. But the thing that really is sad is that you know there was no he was there was I was going to win. It didn't matter what he did. He could have he could have quit. You know, at that yeah. he could have. Yeah. Let Sterling in. He could have done anything, and and Dale Jr. and I were going to run one too. It didn't, it didn't have any the the wreck didn't have anything to do with, you know, with the result. But it just, um, you know, I didn't know what happened. And I'm a I'm a Christian guy, and I believe that when he saw that wall coming, he said, "Oh God, I'm here I come," and I think he went straight from that car to heaven. That's that's how I'm wired, and um. I think that also, like, 100% for sure, God surrounded me with his angels because when I came through three and four on the cool-down lap, I mean, I just won the Daytona 500, and my my buddy, my boss, he, he, he told me how we were going to win it, and we did it, and he told me I'd win in his cars, and I did. If I had have seen him or had have had any idea that he was – in that infield on turn four, I would have pulled right over there. Cause oh, I, so, you, so you were so concentrated on just winning the race and getting back to the start finish line for a, a burnout and and no, I just celebrate. I was just done. You know, I just was. I didn't even think about a burnout. I just was like, I, I won the race. And if I if my mind had have had have seen him, or if I'd have had any idea that he was over there, I would have pulled over. And I would have got out, and I would have wanted a hug, because that's all I talked about, you know. And Victory Lane was was he was going to come in there, and if you watch the video of of uh, him of Dale Jr. winning the 2000 All Star race, Dale Dale was the, one of the first ones there, and he you know gives Dale this this big bear hug. Same thing at Texas when Dale won his first race, and you know I would have I would have went over there to get that hug, and. It was God's plan for me to go to Victory Lane and, you know, enjoy um, a half hour, 45 minutes of celebrating winning that race. And uh, he, he had Dale with him is is what I how I think it, it happened and how it was supposed to happen. Um, because if I hadn't went over there, just 
that the thought of that just gives me chills. Yeah. That that I that I would have, you know, you saw Schrader's reaction. Mm-hmm. He was just, oh, you know, he started pointing, "Come help Dale," and um. So I thought when I got to Victory Lane, it was pandemonium. You know, my family was there. It was all just just bliss, and I kept waiting for Dale to come, but he he never came. And I didn't understand why. I was like, "Why is not, Why is Dale not here?" And uh, my friends would say, "He's just he was in that wreck. He'll be here in a bit." And then, um, if you watch the documentary and you know the story, Schrader came and told me that he saw Dale and Dale was Dale was hurt, and he wanted me to be aware of it, and he wanted me to to understand that, you know, that that it wasn't good. That's all he said. It was it's not good, and he left. And then, of course, we all know what happened after that. And um, that that was, it was just a really dark time in my life from from the the, the moment I, I realized Dale had died for, you know, for months. It just, it, uh, nothing made any sense to me. But, um, you know, you just, you eventually, I guess you, your skin gets thick enough to where you just, figure out that you gotta can't give up like Dell would have been really pissed if I gave up <laughs> so I just said I can't give up yeah and um then of course you know you you got to race the next week in Rockingham and then you go to Vegas and so um it was it was it it was it, it hurts the same today as it did then just a, a sad sad day uh, but I was I think I was blessed to 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 win it again in 03 when we won you know we won it again it just it was validation i guess um both trophies are equally as important to me you know i don't look at the 2001 trophy and and think any less of it than i do the 2003 trophy because i did what dale wanted me to do and so i'm proud of that and uh that's that was a hard place to get to for for a while to get to part the point where you can look at that trophy and be be proud but um do you do you remember who told you and what you did when you heard the reaction when you found out Dale passed? Yeah, Brooke told me. Um she's in the documentary. She does a good job of So I don't really remember it the way she told it. Mm-hmm. But I know she's right. <laughs> yeah. Cuz you know, I was I was all messed up, but uh the thing you ask about moments, you know, do you remember and the thing that I remember most was just sitting in the bus that night. Um, Buffy did a great job of, you know, filtering everything that was coming at me. But just sitting there, just in in disbelief of everything that had just happened mm-hmm. within the last hour or two, you know. So... Uh, I told you earlier I could go right back to O-Town singing the national anthem. I can unfortunately go right back to sitting in that bus and see myself sitting there and um, experience the same emotions as I did then, which is, it's it's hard, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's who I am. And um, I'm really proud of the documentary because... I think it just 
makes Dale out to be even bigger of a hero, and people know who he is more now than than they would have, and uh, that that's that's really special for me. So uh, it came out in uh, October, I think, of last year, mm-hmm. and I had a buddy send it to me, send me a text on Monday of of this past week, and he was on Delta Airlines, and he was watching the documentary. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you can get it. You can stream it on, on uh, Delta and some other airlines. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's everything I wanted it to be. It turned out, you know, really, really uh, exactly as I would have wanted it to. And uh, to, to see how many people have been able to see it and uh, enjoy it and appreciate it and understand the whole story, it's really special to me. And oh, and with one Reddit question that we have, I do want to at least get one of them in. But uh, how? What do you do different? And this is from Stefan from Owensboro, Owensboro. What do you do different to prep for Daytona versus the rest of the schedule? Because of course, everyone talks about it. The the Super Bowl of NASCAR, the first race of the year. How, you do, you just, pre- the, how do you prep differently? I don't think. I think you you just have more to study. I think is is probably true. Uh, this morning, I actually did a did an interview with Denny Hamlin. And we talked about him winning the 2016 race, which to me was maybe the greatest lap that a driver ever drove in NASCAR. I mean, he was perfect uh, all the way up to the move he made. And then when he made it, the, the reaction and, and slipping inside of Matt, not wrecking the whole field. I mean, to me, that's the greatest single move in the history of NASCAR. And people be like, no, man, it was Richard Petty or Zernhardt. I'm like, well, I haven't seen anything better than that. And I was talking to Denny, and 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 it it it's just, you know, it's a it's a lifetime of learning and understanding. He said he talked a lot to Tony Stewart about how to get runs and how Tony would maneuver and and he would see things Tony did. And Dell Jr. told me something funny, you know, when we were in our heyday back in the in the early O's, mid O's. He said, Michael, you uh. I can tell you're a good plate racer because I see you do things, and I think to myself, I would have done that, <laughs> which is a really cool compliment yeah. because he was obviously really good at it as well. So uh, you just—it's a lifetime of learning. It's video. It's you know, it's there's a lot of that. You also have to—you really have to lean on your team to understand where that RPM is the best, and and you know how how the engine performs, and and what what data shows you how your car should be positioned. So uh, thank you, Stefan, from Owensboro. That's my hometown. Uh, thank you for the question. And, and um, I, I think prepping for a single race isn't what we do. We, we, we've spent our lifetime prepping for every race. And then, then you just s- s- sort of focus on the given venue and the circumstances that it takes to be successful that it takes to be successful at that particular track. And um, we we have so much more data now and information the drivers do to lean on and to pull from. And um, so there's more studying today than there was back in my day. But I learned, you know, see the pants. And I think these drivers today still do as well. They just have other things to lean on. <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's a good way if you want to. We can yeah, we'll just end that. Next. Yeah, and we'll go into the break. So I'll just let me do this. See how it sure, goes. Yeah, yeah, sure. So that's the story of the 2001 Daytona 500. I I know that 
if you're a NASCAR fan, you've probably seen the documentary or read the book and you know the story, but I, I appreciate you, Ford. You pulled out some some uh, some, th- some things I haven't really talked about in a long time, and um, I hope people enjoyed the doc, uh, enjoyed the movie, uh, enjoyed the book, and appreciated today's, uh, today's podcast uh, talking about all things 2001 Daytona 500. And um, I look forward to next week. We'll we'll dig into and and uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll think back and look at some videos and see if I can't remember some special things about the big 2003 win as well. So and not not really talked about that much, but it's one that we could really uh, we can really dig into. Yeah, it it it's a it's a really really interesting race because um, of the weather. We woke up that morning knowing the rain was coming. And when you know rain's coming, you know, if you're a crew chief especially, you're going crazy. How do we win this race? And uh, a really one of the best moves I've ever made behind the wheel of a race car led to me getting to victory lane that day. And we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Wow. What a, what a fun, fun time I've had reflecting on the 2001 Daytona 500. Um, everything that, that led up to it. All the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the happiness that that was living inside of me when I took the green flag that day, and then of course the the tragedy, the sadness that that um, was a part of the post race. So um, it's hard for me to talk about, but it's life. And let me just give you a little tip: if you don't talk about your challenges, hard times in your life, and you suppress them, it it it, it it's not good for you. You have to be able to, to verbalize, to tell your friends, to talk about things that didn't go right so that you can figure out how to make them better next time. So um, I'm Dr. Mike today. I wanted to, to, to do some, uh, some, some healing of my own, which every time I talk about the 2001 Daytona 500, I do that. Um, but I also wanted to try to see if, you know, if you haven't seen the documentary, if, if you don't know the story, I wanted to hopefully help you deal with some some struggles in your life so uh, today was good I'm happy thankful that you tuned in and I look forward to next week when we're going to talk about the 2003 Daytona 500 which was really cool to go there and and win the 500 again and and um, and I look forward to sharing those stories so thanks for listening to Walter Unfiltered don't forget Facebook Instagram Twitter all those social media platforms is how you can tell your friends that you uh, enjoyed our show and want to watch it again. And um, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot.